0: Hi guys i'm jamie Beebe, and i'm jake deptula we're the hosts of the true crime podcast strictly stalking brought to you from podcast one
1: each week strictly stalking gives stalking survivors the platform to share their stories in their own words
0: do you know why survivors refer to stalking as murder in slow motion have you ever felt like you were being hunted by a stranger would you know where to turn if a stalker was living in your house and you didn't know
1: We're bringing you these stories to raise awareness about stalking and give you the resources to know what to do if you or someone you know is being stalked.
0: So tune in to Strictly Stalking each week as we dive into the largely unknown crime of stalking. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever
1: you listen to your favorite true crime podcast. to check the locks podcast as always i'm john connor
0: i'm olivia cornu
1: saying thank you for joining us this week as we dive into yet another truly terrifying true crime case before we get started as always olivia it's wonderful to see you how has your week been
0: my week's been really good i got another off week i had a little friend come and visit life's been good yeah i'm gonna be going to a conference also you know living the dream how's your week
1: My week's been good, just hanging out with the family and working and researching and editing and just a normal week. So like I always say, super happy to be here. This is always a highlight of my week when we can get together and record these episodes. So glad that everything is going well with you. And I have to tell you, this week is my week. I'm going to be really curious as to whether or not you've heard about this case before. When you looked at my notes, did anything look familiar? Nothing. I had seen this case circulating on social media and it piqued my interest a little bit and made me want to dive into it a little bit deeper. And when I did, I was like, wow, this is way crazier than what I thought. So again, I'm really interested to see if you are familiar with this, if the listeners are familiar with it. But when I was going through it, I was like, this story is kind of dark and kind of crazy. And it's one of those ones that I think when we get to the end, you're going to be surprised with the ending compared to like some of the episodes that we normally do.
0: All right. Well, why don't we jump right in?
1: Let's do it. So this week's case takes place in South Carolina. On June 24th, 2002, 15-year-old Kara Robinson was visiting a friend's home. Kara was in her friend's front lawn watering the plants while her friend was inside, and it was then that a Trans Am pulled into the driveway of the West Columbia home. A man emerged from the vehicle, and he was holding pamphlets in his hand. The man asked Kara if her parents were home, and she shared that this was her friend's house. The man then asked if her friend's parents were home, and again, Kara shared that they were not. It was at this point that the man pulled a gun and pressed it against the girl's neck. He then dragged her into his car and forced the teenager into a large plastic bin. But Kara Robinson was quick. As the now kidnapper drove away from the scene, Kara began counting the number of turns that he was making. She noticed that he was listening to classic rock and smoking cigarettes. She even memorized the serial number on the inside of the plastic bin that she was in. Now, at some point during the drive, her kidnapper pulled over. He took Kara out of the bin and bound her wrists using handcuffs. He also placed a ball gag in her mouth. Kara was then placed back inside the car, and after another drive, they arrived at her captor's apartment. Now, after Kara's friend had come outside and noticed that she had vanished from the front yard, the police were contacted immediately. But just like we've talked about on the show before, Olivia, the police deemed Kara a runaway. But little did they know, in a messy apartment, Kara was being sexually assaulted. So I wanted to stop before we went any further, Olivia. There was a couple of things that stuck out to me as I was researching this case and kind of diving into it. But I wanted to pick your brain. What do you think and where are you at so far?
0: I mean, I hope that if I'm ever in this situation, that my brain is as calm and as smart as Kara's is. She memorized the serial number of the Plastic bin. She was counting the turns like those are things that are hard to remember in a traumatic situation. Um, but these are probably things that could potentially save your life if you're in these situations where you're being kidnapped.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. Like the wherewithal that this child had to be like, I need to start counting these turns. I'm soaking in any detail that I can. You know, I think the other thing that was really heartbreaking and shocking to me is the same thing that we've talked about so many times. A child goes missing and it's automatically they're a runaway yeah. instead of let's be out there looking for them. It seems like a trend. We're in our almost 60th episode. I could probably count on, you know, more than one hand how many times we've talked about that.
0: Yeah, it's just really disheartening, you know, to think that the more cases that we do, like on the with these short on times, I find that we're doing these cases that are, you know, happening pretty recently, you know, and frequently And I think that people nowadays, I hope, are realizing that more people are getting kidnapped and murdered than they are just running away from home. With social media nowadays, I feel like you would know if someone just ran away from home. They're still going to be active on those things. Whereas if they're kidnapped or murdered, like they're going to be radio silence.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, cell phones and air tags and all those things have really helped with that. Yeah. But I think you're right. I think as a culture, we've kind of shifted. And now it's like my kid didn't run away. You know, it's not the first thing that comes into someone's mind. So I do think that's a win. And hopefully, you know, as we continue to do these cases that are happening now, because I mean, this is over 20 years ago, we see less and less of that because when we go back, it's just like so disheartening sometimes. Now, Kara's entire tragic ordeal would last 18 hours, but she was a survivor and she believed that if she played along, she might be able to escape with her life. The clever 15-year-old began surveying the apartment for things that may help identify her attacker. The man's dentist and doctor were posted on his refrigerator. When asked if she wanted food, she told the man that she wasn't hungry, but she asked if there was something that she could do to help him around the apartment. And at that point, her attacker had her sweeping the floor of the kitchen. While cleaning, she looked at the man's mail, studying any detail that may help lead police to his capture if she could escape. Then... The attacker made Kara watch the evening news to see if there was any word of her disappearance on TV. Now, eventually, the man was tired, and he handcuffed Kara to the bed and went to sleep beside her. And it was then that the teenager knew that she had to act. She was able to slip the cuffs free from the bedpost. Kara slowly crept to the door and forced her way out, and she made it to the street where she knew she was safe. Kara had survived, and she immediately ran to the closest car. The two people inside, obviously shocked, let her in and drove her to the closest police station. And as Kara shared her harrowing story, the authorities were amazed. She was calm, collected, but most of all detailed in sharing what had happened to her. And with Kara's help, the police were able to locate the kidnapper's apartment. But when they arrived, the man was gone. However, they were able to determine his identity. Kara's kidnapper was named Richard Mark Ivonitz. And again, before we go any further, Olivia, I just wanted to kind of see where you were at, because as I was going through, I was like, this kid has got guts, man. Like she had this plan. She was like, this is not happening to me. Not today. And not only was she able to get out, but she was able to keep herself calm enough that she could lead detectives back to his apartment. And as I was going through, my mind was just blown. So I was just wondering if you were thinking the same thing.
0: Oh, my gosh. Yes. As a 15 year old girl, she is a badass. You know, I hope that this story continues to be on a positive note, at least for Kara's sake, since she did escape and was able to survive so far. But she just saved many, many people's lives, potentially, from this evil man.
1: And we're definitely going to touch on that. But before we do, like we always do, I think it'd be good to go back and kind of look at what kind of man Ivanitz was, talk about his background, things like that, because I think that's going to give us a clearer picture of what was going on with him. Richard Mark Avonitz was born on July 29, 1963 in Columbia, South Carolina to Joe and Tess Avonitz. And from an early age, he displayed violent and criminal behavior. According to a psychological study from Radford University, when Avonitz was eight years old, he once choked his little sister until she passed out. Avonitz's sister, Jennifer, said growing up in the family home was like a prison. Their father demanded that they get straight A's, and if they didn't, they would be beaten. Jennifer has also said that her father was a sadistic man who derived pleasure from watching his family suffer. Now, in 1983, Richard Ivonitz broke into his neighbor's home and wrote false checks. And eventually, Ivonitz moved out of his family home and joined the Navy. In 1987, when he was 23 years old, he would commit his first known sexual crime. At this time, Richard was stationed at Mayport Navy Station in Jacksonville, Florida. Ivanitz pulled up his car beside Kelly Ballard. She was 15 years old at the time. Ivanitz proceeded to masturbate while she walked her three-year-old sister down the street. And the following day, Kelly and her mother noticed a strange man following them in a mall parking lot. Now, luckily, they spotted him, and they were able to write down his license plate. And Ivanitz was arrested shortly after and immediately confessed. He shared with police that he had the compulsion to masturbate in front of young girls. He even admitted to driving around looking for a 18 to 19-year-old who was short in height with brunette hair. But guess what, Olivia? For this crime, Richard Ivanovitz was charged with a $252 fine and sentenced to three years of probation.
0: Oh, this sounds real familiar.
1: Yep, we talked about this a lot.
0: Yeah, where they just get these fines and they keep going out and sexually assaulting women.
1: You know, I love to do my adjusted for inflation. So $252 didn't really seem like a lot in 1987, but today that would be worth $677, which is not a big enough fine today. No. He should have been locked up immediately. Exactly. But again, in talking about trends that we've touched on on the podcast before, it's like this slap of the hand. The Baton Rouge serial killer is a great example of that. Like He started as a peeping Tom, got caught, slap on the hand, pay a fine, and then eventually he's murdering people. Now, this incident also caused Ivanitz to be demoted to a petty officer second class in the Navy. In 1992, he was honorably discharged, and shortly after, he moved to Virginia. And it was then that his violent crime spree would begin. Now, he settled in Spotsylvania, where he got a job as a salesman, but women were always put off by Ivonitz. He had a temper, and he was quick to make misogynistic jokes. And in June of 1995, Ivanitz committed his first violent crime. He broke into a home where two sisters, ages 11 and 13, slept. Ivonitz, sporting a gun and fuzzy handcuffs, locked the 11-year-old in a closet while he raped her 13-year-old sister. But he would never be charged with a crime. Then, in September of 1996, things escalated further. 16-year-old Sophia Silva was on her front porch doing homework. It was then that Ivana had struck, kidnapping the teenager. When Sophia's sister came outside, she found only an empty soda can and her sister's school notes. Tragically, Sophia would be discovered by a maintenance worker in King George County in October of 1996. Her body was wrapped in a blue tarp and tied with rope floating in the Birchwood Creek. And when investigating the remains, detectives found that the girl's pubic region had been shaved. So before we go any further, Olivia, where are you at? Because it goes from dark to darker. And just pulse checking with you to see how you're doing.
0: Yeah, he's one of these escalation killers. You know, now he's just killed somebody. And I feel like he has this weird, I don't know, like maybe he's going through phases of like age ranges in which he's looking for. I don't know. I can't figure him out.
1: Yeah. As I was going through, it was almost like victims of opportunity, you know?
0: Yeah. And like, how did he not get caught by handcuffing the one sister and raping the other?
1: Yeah. And I think that particular case is linked back to him after the fact based on what I found in my research. And there's also a period we'll talk about here a little bit later where things kind of go silent for a little bit. So I don't know if maybe again, if this is a victim of opportunity where he wants to feel powerful he wants to like be the person who's taking something from someone and these are victims who you know are not going to fight him back they're easily overpowered things of that nature but it's just yeah. it's super dark
0: yeah he just went from extreme to real extreme
1: Well, just a warning, Olivia. Things are about to get even darker because by 1997, Ivanitz had a new obsession. Katie Lisk, who was 12 years old, and Kristen Lisk, who was 15. On May 1st, 1997, Ivanitz had taken the day off work to appear at bankruptcy court. Now, after he made this appearance, he got in his car and he drove to the Lisk family home in Spotsylvania. See, Ivanitz had been stalking the girls and he knew their routine. And after the school bus dropped them off, he struck again, abducting both girls from the front yard of the family home. Now, sadly, on May 6th, search teams found a book bag in the South Anna River, and this would lead to the discovery of the Lisk sisters' bodies. And like Sophia Silva, both girls had had their pubic areas shaved. But this time, the police caught a break. Matching carpet fibers found on all three victims let detectives know that the same person was involved in the murders but they still didn't know who they were looking for. Now, this is where I was telling you that it seems to get quiet because a seemed to lay low between 1997 and 2002. And that is when we flash forward to the day Kara Robinson was abducted.
0: Now, that's like five, six years that he's not doing anything. Was there something that happened in his life that comes about in this time frame or... You know, like sometimes they get married and have a family or, you know, things like that. Was there anything specific that happened?
1: Yeah. So in my research, what I found was that at some point he was married to a 16 year old and apparently the sexual relationship was very violent and eventually she left him. And then around this time in 97, he's remarried again and he moves in with his sister and his wife at that time. Okay. So I don't know if he was actually laying low because he just didn't have the opportunity not living by himself. Right. Or if maybe he was still committing crimes, but they just haven't been linked back to him. OK. And earlier I would mentioned that psychological exam that was done by Radford University. That is in the show notes and it does give a detailed timeline of like by year. So it will, you know, if anybody's interested, in can go in and see what he was doing in his personal life within those few years. But it's still interesting to me, like I know with like BTK, right? Like he got injured and that's why he stopped. So the, here's this prolific serial killer that just goes quiet for like a decade and then all of a sudden is back on the scene. So I'd be very interested to find out what it was specifically that caused him to stop hunting because you you would think with a compulsion like this, it'd be very hard just to be like I'm done for years. I'm done for five years. I'm out, you know?
0: Yeah. Like it's not like it's a few months. It's like this is a
1: long time. Yeah, it's crazy. Now. Unbeknownst to Kara Robinson, Avonitz had actually been stalking another teenage girl. And his original plan on June 24th was to kidnap, rape, and murder this unknown potential victim. Avonitz had studied the girl's daily schedule, even mapped out her routine. But when the day came to carry out his plan, Avonitz's would-be victim actually changed from her normal routine. And this unknowingly saved her life. At this point is when Richard Mark Ivonitz started to improvise and looking for an opportunity. This eventually led him to Kara Robinson. Now, after Kara's escape, Ivonitz fled to Jacksonville, Florida. While holding up in a motel, he called his sister, Jennifer, and over the phone, he admitted to murder. In fact, he told his sister that he had committed more crimes than he could remember. He then asked Jennifer to meet him at a local IHOP. Now, on the phone, Jennifer agreed. But once the call was over, she immediately contacted the police. Ivanitz arrived to meet his sister on June 27, 2002. But when he noticed the police in the IHOP parking lot, he fled again. And this time, a high-speed chase would ensue. Now, Ivanitz reached speeds of 120 miles per hour during the chase, driving with no lights and swerving into oncoming traffic. In fact, he had made it to Sarasota before the police were able to corner him. And there, cornered by police and knowing that he was caught, Richard Mark Ivanitz pulled his twenty-five caliber handgun, the same one that he had used to abduct his victims, and shot himself in the head. Now, in the days following his death, police would search Ivanitz's apartment. And it was during that search that they discovered a lockbox. Inside that box were items that belonged to Sophia Silva and the Lisk sisters. Additionally, Katie Lisk's handprint was found on the roof of his trunk and carpet fibers found inside the home were a match to those that were found on all three victims. Richard Mark Evanitz was a sexually depraved and violent killer, and one can only imagine what type of violence he would have left in his wake if it hadn't been for the bravery and tenacity of one 15-year-old girl, Kara Robinson. Now, at the time, Kara was given $150,000 in reward money for helping authorities catch Ivanitz. But Kara has said that the greatest reward was being able to provide closure to the families of Sophia Silva and Katie and Kristen Lisk. Today, Kara Robinson is a dedicated victims advocate, keynote speaker, author, and executive producer. Additionally, Kara's story was adapted into a Lifetime movie. The Girl Who Escaped, the Kara Robinson story, premiered in February of this year. And that's this week's case, Olivia. What are you thinking? Got a little Lifetime connection in there. I thought that was kind of interesting at the end.
0: Glad that's all we have in common is Lifetime.
1: Yeah, but walk me through it. What are you thinking?
0: I am just so proud of Kara Robinson. You know, this could have went on and on and on for it could have went on forever, you know, and she was brave and she was able to give closure to these families. And, you know, I hate that he killed himself, but. I think confessing to his sister, I wonder what was going on with him that day that was just like, okay, today's the day. I'm going to, I'm done. I'm tired. I don't want to do this anymore. Someone needs to know. Like he knew that if he told his sister, she would tell the police, one would think. But I'm just glad he was stopped. And I think Kara's life is worth way more than $150,000, but she saved a lot of people's lives, I believe. And I think I'm going to have to go watch this movie.
1: Yeah, I'm definitely there with you. The one thing that I kept thinking about as I was going through was just how brave Kara was and asking myself, would I have the wherewithal to do the same thing? And I honestly don't think I would. I think I would go into fight or flight and I would like completely shut down. And I'd be screwed. You know what I mean? But this little girl at 15 years old somehow managed to keep the composure to be like, this is not the way I'm going out. This is not happening today. And in doing so, she saved the lives of how many other potential victims. Mm
0: Yeah. Yeah. This is such a sad and just senseless guy who was killing these women. And it does kind of have a happy ending to it, you know, in a sense that she was able to survive and she can be an advocate for others and that her bravery just outshined the negativity in this. And she's just happy that she could provide closure for the Lisk sisters and for Sophia. And I think that that's huge. And to be so brave at such a young age, I would hope that my 33-year-old self would be as brave as she was at 15.
1: Yeah, it reminded me a lot of, I don't know if you remember the story, but there was a little girl who was waiting at the bus stop and a guy tried to like pull up an abductor and she watched a lot of Law & Order and she remembered from Law & Order that like you want to leave a mark on your attacker so that you can identify him. So I think she had like a pen or something and she rubbed ink all over his arm and they were able to arrest him because of that but this girl was like nine or ten years old and she was like nope let me you know let me make sure I'm doing what I can to keep myself safe you know so I like I said it's just kind of mind-blowing that at such a young age you can be so quick and I think the other thing too is it would be so easy to go through a trauma like that and to have that define the rest of your life yeah and,
0: and go down the deep end you know and just not recover
1: but instead she became an advocate You know, she speaks about her experience. She helps others. You know, she's writing about it. It's just really inspiring to see someone who is not letting their greatest trauma define them. Mm -hmm. If you can work past it, like you can use that as fuel to help others, you know, which I think is it's just a beautiful thing. So if we're talking deadbolt test, where does this case fall on yours? How are you feeling?
0: Um, I'm going to put it at a nine because in 2002, I I would have been a short brunette about the same age of all these young girls. I just lived in Louisiana and not South Carolina.
1: Yeah, I'm going to put it up there with you. I'm going to put it in eight. I know that this may sound like a cap out answer because I've been saying it a lot. But going through this case, I was just thinking about my kid. And, you know, we talked about this the other day, but they could be in the front yard riding their bike and you turn your head for one minute. You know what I mean? Or
0: 15 seconds. It doesn't even take that long.
1: Right. And that's what was playing through my head as we went through. This is just like like I don't think I would be able to continue living if something like this happened to my wife or happened to my daughter like I think I would just shut down and I think that's why I find Kara so inspiring because for me I feel like it would be the guy who's like I've got the fifth of Jack Daniels that I have for breakfast lunch and dinner and I would just let myself waste away and I think there's a piece of me that's like well maybe you would be able to persevere you know what I mean but it's like
0: better than that I wouldn't let you
1: I mean, it's just even those thoughts, though, just to like think about that. It's just it's terrifying. So I'm going to I'm going to put it in Nate. I'm right up there with you.
0: Yeah, this one was it was short, sweet and to the point. But he was a monster. He was a terrible, terrible human being. And I can just say it over and over. Kara is a brave, brave girl. Now woman.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I think he took the coward's way out. We talk about that a lot, too, but it's. You know, you knew you were caught. You knew you were going to have to face what you've done. And instead of doing that, you, you decide out. to punch out early, you know. Well, that is where we fall on this week's case. Olivia's putting in a nine. I'm putting in an eight. But we want to know where does the abduction of Kara Robinson fall on your deadbolt test? You can let us know. Reach out to us on Instagram at Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter at Check the Locks. And if you're not in our Facebook group, what are you doing? Come hang out with us. We would love to get to know you. Olivia, I don't even have a pun for this one. This case was just so out there and crazy. I just don't have one. I legit need a palate cleanser. I could really use a five-star review. You got one for us?
0: Well, you don't have to be punny this week because our review is hilarious. So I actually have a really funny one. This one's coming from Leah on our website. And they said they're a first-time listener. And one of my relatives is a listener and had their comment read on the podcast. Your cool swag bag arrived and your accompanying envelope scared the bejesus out of my unsuspecting family. They did not know anything about the podcast, so all they knew is an unmarked envelope with their address that said, check the locks, showed up. It was hilarious. Anyway, now I'm a big fan and I thoroughly enjoy the podcast. Thanks for the entertaining podcast and scaring the crap out of my relatives. So that one's pretty funny,
1: <laughs> Oh, I <yeah>. think. <laughs> Yeah, I'm definitely there with you, Leah. Thank you so much for leaving that review, and we are so happy that we were able to scare your family. When I saw this review come in, and when I knew we were going to talk about it, I was like, you know, we really didn't think it through because <laughs> we, we, I was just setting envelopes that just in. It's a white envelope with big black Sharpie marker that just said check the locks and then they had their address on it. So I can imagine it's like terrifying if it's somebody's mom or dad, they have no idea what's coming in the mail for them.
0: I'm like, I've at least started putting our stickers on the envelopes, but I can imagine getting just an envelope, check the locks. What the hell does that mean?
1: Yeah, that I mean, it would be unsettling. So glad we could give you a good laugh, give you a good scare. And I hope that your family member liked the goodies. And we want to send you some too. So reach out to us. Again, you can find us on Instagram, Check the Locks Pod. Find us on Twitter, Check the Locks. If you're in our Facebook group, let us know. And listen, if you're not a social person, that's totally fine. Head over to checkthelockspod.com, click that email button, send us an email, let us know where to get these out. And we would love to send you some goodies. And Olivia, if someone who wants to have their five star review read on the podcast, what is the best way to do that?
0: Well, they need to go to the Apple Podcast app. Go to our show's homepage, check the locks, scroll down all the way to the bottom where you see all five stars, click all five stars and leave us a little something to tell us what you think about Check the Locks podcast.
1: And exactly what Olivia said, head on over, leave us that review. We talk about it every week, but these reviews help us so much. They help us get into other shows, recommendations. They help new listeners find the show. And ideally, that is all that we want to do, right? We are looking to grow our community, grow the audience, find new friends, new family members. Olivia, we are at almost 700 people in the Facebook group. We're like 21 people short. What? Yes. That's so so many. if you are in the Facebook group, you're enjoying it. You like hanging out and being part of this community. Let your friends know. Have them come on in. Because again, that's all we're trying to do is get in front of as many people as we can. And if you want to financially support Check the Locks, if you like what we do, you want to throw us a couple dollars every month, you can do that by becoming a patron. Head over to Patreon.com forward slash Check the Locks to get signed up today. We got a lot of great stuff. We got stickers, coffee mugs, T-shirts, all sorts of stuff that you can only get for being a patron. Plus, you get the episodes early and ad-free. So, you like the show, you want to hear the cases, but you don't care about the ads, head over to Patreon, get signed up today, get them early, save your ears those commercials. So again, that is patreon.com forward slash check the locks. And if you cannot financially support the show, we definitely understand. We say this every week, but just listening, hanging out with us, sharing the show with your friends and family means just as much, if not more. So if that is you hanging out with us every week, you're letting people know about what we're doing. Just know that we appreciate you more than we could ever tell you. It really does mean the world to us. That is all that we have for this week's case, but please make sure that you are subscribed to Check the Locks on your favorite podcast app so that you never miss an episode. We will see you again next week with a brand new, truly terrifying true crime case. But until then, don't forget to... Check the locks. See you next week.
0: Bye-bye. Bye.